0: And welcome into another episode of the Dynasty Underground Show. I'm your host Derek Walmack, and yeah, we got some new intro music. We got the new intro music courtesy of Rage Against the Machine. Know your enemy. If you don't know the song, you should go buy it right now. It's awesome. Um, but I'm not here to talk about Rage Against the Machine. I'm here to talk about. <sighs> one of so it's it's super fun to do when it happens but it's something i i generally i don't reach for so but it is fun to do it's fun to have and so i wanted to talk about it talking not only talking about the stacks in fantasy football but the value stacks right because we all want the Tyreek Hill Patrick Mahomes stack you in know an, in an in an ideal world right we all want the Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey stack in an. I, I, why can I not talk today? In an ideal world, right? But that's not always possible. You know, getting or I mean, it, not only it's possible, I guess, but that's a lot of draft capital already, and it better pay off. Um, <clears throat> you know, we all want that stack. We so, you know some of us want the Devontae Adams, Aaron Rodgers stack. You know. Th- those are the obvious ones anyways, you know, not that it can't be done, it can absolutely be done, but, you know, we all know the obvious ones, so I wanted to go into the less obvious ones, and some of these are more interesting than others, um, from, I don't know, just from the get-go, the first one I have, you know, normally when you think of stacks, you think of, quarterback wide receiver stacks you know like or quarterback tight end stacks like the one i you know the ones i just uh named off but the first stack the value stack that i'm gonna go with is you know it's a little bit off the beaten path it's deshaun watson and david johnson yeah ka because it's all about that value baby no so deshaun watson going as QB6 in Dynasty Startups and David Johnson going as RB21 in Dynasty Startups. I get QB6 isn't necessarily value and, and for like sidebar, Let's put a pin in that. I went with Deshaun Watson and David Johnson, you know, the quarterback running back stack, because basically what that is, is you're trying to find a way to lock up pretty much all of the points from an offense, right? And the Houston Texans are obviously, I mean, projected to be an explosive offense. So you're either getting every passing touchdown from Deshaun Watson or, you know, a majority of the rushing touchdowns also with Watson and David Johnson. So that's kind of where that stat comes into play. But, you know, (laughs) to me at QB six and RB 21, those are their floors, at least, especially for 2020. That's the floors because, I mean, (laughs) and I love to target those types of players because, like, you know, the investment, when you're investing in a player when they're priced at their floor is obviously minimal and the potential return is palpable. And think about this for a second. Like, with Deshaun Watson, as a QB6, that doesn't sound like some insane value. I get it. But, you know, I'm seeing Josh Allen go ahead of him in drafts and let's think about this rationally for a second because Josh Allen I believe was right at what number 6 or 7 last year in 2019 and just in a vacuum if you're drafting you know if you're drafting your startup if you're doing your startup draft and you're looking at the quarterback who who would you rather have your fantasy football quarterback throwing to John Brown and Cole Beasley or Brandon Cooks, Will Fuller, Randall Cobb, David Johnson, and Duke Johnson. Right? So, and so we saw Josh Allen with John Brown in 2019, John Brown and Cole Beasley, and he tore it up, you know, because a lot of it had to do with his rushing upside. Well, Deshaun Watson has the same rushing upside, and his weapons are better across the board. I mean, I know now Josh Allen has Stefan Diggs, but I'm talking about from the you know, the the 2019 version of Josh Allen and the 2020 version of Sean Watson. Their weapons are not even close. Sean so Watson's got the better weapons. So and, I mean, they've both got the rushing floor. they both got the rushing upside and touchdowns. So, to me, when we're talking about Deshaun Watson, QB6 is a value. Deshaun Watson should probably be going, I mean, it's not crazy, you know, but he should probably be going about, you know, QB4 or so just because we've seen him be one of the best quarterbacks in the league, one of the best fantasy quarterbacks in the league as well. And getting David Johnson in- – Really, the exciting part of this, you know, where the value comes in is David Johnson because he's going as RB21, low end RB2. Assuming he plays all 16 games, he's going to smash that. And, you know, we don't know, you know, we don't know if he's going to be playing in Houston or not next year, but he could be. He could be the running back for Houston for the next two years. And, I'm sorry but if you're getting a workhorse running back at RB21 and you get two seasons out of him, yeah, I mean I'm going to give it again. <laughs> That's money. I'm sorry, it is. I know it's dynasty and we like to we like to look four or five years out whatever. I personally don't, but you know, a lot of people do. And at the RB21 price, yeah, it's worth taking a swing on that. You know, I don't care if you if you think you can get two years of at least RB21 production. Where he's going? Yeah, it's worth the investment. So, yeah, I'm going to move on to the next value stack and it's sticking with the same team, Deshaun Watson, but moving over to the wide receiver position with Brandon Cooks. You know I love Brandon Cooks. Yeah, there he's got that ka-ching in there. No, so dance. Oh. Not working. I guess (laughs) I guess I'm not the only one excited about uh (laughs) Brandon Cooks here. Uh we almost had to have a dance party just now. Um no, because Cooks is going as Brandon Cooks is being drafted as a wide receiver three. And he's going to crush that price, barring any injury. I mean, we you know, we talked about with Jake Trowbridge you know assuming Brandon Cooks plays all 16 games he's going to be a top 15 wide receiver you know i've talked about it in my bold predictions episode i said that he would be a wide receiver one and i mean just because i mean look what brandon cooks has done throughout his career nobody does that not only do people, wide receivers rarely have 3 1000 yard seasons in a row they never do it with three different teams. They don't go from the Saints have 1,000 yards to the Patriots a 1,000 yards to the Rams in 1,000 yards. I get that he had good quarterbacks and or good coaches, but, I mean, he's got a great quarterback. He's got Deshaun Watson. And who cares about Bill O'Brien? You don't like Bill O'Brien as a coach, that's fine. But you've got Deshaun Watson throwing in the ball. DeAndre Hopkins is not there. Brandon Cooks is going, he might command the largest target share of his career. Remember, the last season he was in New Orleans, Michael Thomas was there. It was Michael Thomas's rookie year. Then he goes to the Patriots with Julian Edelman and Rob Gronkowski. Then he goes to the Rams with Cooper Cup and Robert Woods and Todd Gurley catching passes out of the backfield. He goes now, he might have the largest target share of his career. And hopefully my, you know, I'm putting my money where my mouth is here. I've been drafting a lot of Brandon Cooks. My ninth round pick in the Scott fish bowl is coming up. I'm going to select Brandon Cooks. I'm assuming he's going to be there. I'm, I'm selecting him as my wide receiver too. Now, you know, the, the format in that fade, you know, tends to make me want to fade wide receiver a little bit. It makes it less important to me. So, you know, I've been I've been getting Brandon Cooks as my wide receiver three, and that I'm gonna give that one more. There. Brandon Cooks as a wide receiver three is absolutely, ka-ching sounder. Going to <clears throat> my next value stack. That's the man, the myth, the men, the myths, and the legends. Baker Mayfield and Jarvis Landry. Yes, ka-ching. Now. You know, I don't really think the, that the quarterback running back stack applies here in Cleveland, at least for 2020, because they obviously, you know, they have two running backs that will both be scoring touchdowns. So, you know, let's say you draft Chubb and Mayfield or you go, you know, ultimate value Mayfield and Hunt, you're not locking up, you know, especially if you go Hunt, because I fully expect Chubb to score more touchdowns than cream hunt this year but I mean even if they split them <clears throat> even if even if they split them pretty evenly you know going <clears throat> Baker Mayfield and one of those running backs you're not locking up all the points you're not locking up you know it's not like going to Sean Watson and David Johnson because both these running backs are going to see touches so it doesn't really apply in Cleveland even though I love Baker Mayfield and I love both of those running backs but if you, I'm worth, if it's dynasty, you want to go Chubb early and Baker Mayfield later, you know, and that's, that could be a great court, you know, quarterback running back stack for 2021. Cause I don't expect Kareem Hunt to be there, but anyways, we got Baker Mayfield going off the board at QB 10 and Jarvis Landry is going as a low wide receiver two, high end wide receiver three in some spots. <clears throat> and obviously, you know, Jarvis Landry has been great for fantasy, pretty much dating back to the second half of his rookie season. He's only 27 years old. So he's got years of production left in his career and you know, obviously we know how young and talented Baker Mayfield is. You know, he was one of the most prolific quarterbacks in college at OU. Won the Heisman Trophy by a landslide. I believe it was the largest victory you know, the the largest margin of victory up until Joe Burrow last year. But, you know, they, they brought in the offensive lineman. I think they drafted one, if I'm not mistaken, and they signed one of the guys off of that monster O-line from Tennessee last year. So even though, you know, things are trending towards Cleveland running the ball a lot, you know, they're still going to pass. They're still going to pass it, what? 30 times a game probably because most teams do, even if they want to run the ball all the time, you know, I mean, they, they're going to have some teams to keep up with, to play, keep up, you know, catch up with, you know, with, you know, Cincinnati revamping their offense, you know, getting a new quarterback and some of the new weapons and Pittsburgh bringing in, you know, Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson's getting a lot of hype. Eric Ebron's coming in and they get Ben Roethlisberger back. And obviously we know how potent the Baltimore offense can be. So, you know, the Browns can try to build for the run all they want, but they got at least six games at every year where the offen- the opposing offense is probably going to be putting up a lot of points. And so they're going to have to throw the ball. And, you know, even, even if they are easier, if they're throwing the ball high 20s, low 30s times a game, Jarvis Landry's going to get his because he always does. He always has. You know, in Miami with Ryan Tannehill, where he was the only guy, pretty much, he was getting his. Going to Cleveland, where he was the only guy, he was getting his. Odell Beckham Jr. comes into the fold. It doesn't matter. Jarvis Landry's still getting his. And so you're drafting a low-end, you know, I mean, the price you're paying is a low-end quarterback one, possibly a high-end, you know, a low-end wide receiver two, High end wide receiver three, that's that's the true value stack right there. That's that's awesome because not only is Jarvis Landry going to put up plenty of points, and he may not have the highest weekly ceiling, but you know, he's got he's 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 got yeah. a high floor. And so and then not like a high weekly floor, so he's going to be super stable, about as stable as they come. You know, for your, I mean, especially if you're drafting him as a low end wide receiver two, high end wide receiver three, you're not going to get another wide receiver that's that gives you the week to week stability that Jarvis Landry does, and you know that's been that's been my whole thing since the start of this show, right? Even you know, because wide receivers don't generally when you leagues you know even michael thomas only had you know a 10% win rate you know across platforms that's per per rich rebar i believe <laughs> sorry i'm trying to remember which analyst uh, i've been reading but and you know across formats across you know platforms and leagues basically you know and what, the win rate means, you know, how what percentage of championship teams these players were on. Obviously Christian McCaffrey's was through the roof, Lamar Jackson's was through the roof, Derrick Henry's was through the roof. But Michael Thomas was only on like 10% of, you know, fantasy teams last year or championship teams last year just because you know, there's there's not the drop off in production between you know the wide receiver one and the wide receiver 10 like there is the running back one and the running back 10 and so you know that that in and of itself makes me want to you know I've been fading the wide you know I I started fading the wide receiver position pretty heavily last season and ended up working pretty well for me so naturally I'm trying to fix something that's not broken and I'm trying, you know, I'm, I'm fading it a little bit even more this year because, you know, I want to see, I want to see the limit. I want to see how far I can go because, you know, I, you know, I don't want to just assume things, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to learn why, you know, I play, we play in different formats on different platforms, so on and so forth, because, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to find out where the limit is so i can maximize my upside elsewhere especially because you know i have been a pro robust early running back you know drafter and advocate so far this offseason and it that's you know that's and that's because like you said you know i just mentioned a second ago about the drop off between the high end rb ones and the high-end RB2s is generally much steeper than the high-end wide receiver 1s and the high-end wide receiver 2s. And I realize there are some good value plays at running back, you know, in the mid to late rounds this year with, you know, Chris Carson's looking pretty decent, uh, assuming he he's fully healthy for the start of the season. James Conner, you know they didn't I mean they drafted Anthony McFarland who I've talked about a little bit on the show but I mean he was a fourth round pick. If James Conner is healthy, I think he's clearly proven to be good enough where they I don't think Pittsburgh is going to try to prioritize getting their fourth round running back on the field. But, you know, for me, you know, you don't really see a whole lot of late round running backs break out you know i mean it just doesn't especially you know play a best, do a best ball if you haven't done best ball go do a best ball league and draft it as you know draft it as you would draft your normal team and then once you get into you know the 12th 13th rounds you need to have your stable of running backs way before then. You need to have four running backs, you know, four good usable running backs long before then because you look at some of the wide receivers on the board and there's a there's a lot of boom bust wide receiver, you know, Henry Ruggs is going around there, Deshaun Jackson's going there, Christian Kirk's going around there. You know, these guys that, you know, Marvin Jones sometimes, you know, these guys that are going to post you know, multiple Multiple wide receiver two weeks, you know, and I mean each one of them is going to post two or three at least, right? And so what you do is you just you hammer those guys. So you hammer your running backs early, you hammer those boom bust wide receivers late. Curtis Samuel, oh my gosh, dude, I'm so in on Curtis Samuel at his price this year. I've talked about him before. I, I talked about him on my bold predictions episode. If you're in a best ball league, I you know, I'm in the the Scott Fishbowl, you know, the satellite, which is best ball. You think I'm not targeting Curtis Samuel, you're crazy. One, because, like I said, not only, you know, I've been talking about Jarvis Landry for a little bit, and then I went on this other tangent. I'm gonna get back to the theme of the show in a little bit, I promise. But, you know, <laughs> um, with, yeah, you know, gosh, oh my goodness, I lost my train of thought. Now, so, you know, I've talked about fading the wide receiver position, you know, in general, you know, I'm trying to find the limit, I'm trying to find right now how far I can fade the wide receiver position, you know, when's the cutoff, when do I put myself at a decided disadvantage, right, because I did a league, and it, you know, and it's it's format dependent. You know, it's roster construction, you know, dependent. You know, I did a league, or I drafted a team a couple of weeks ago where it's two running back, two wide receiver, two flex, and I draft three running backs. You know, right there, right then, and there, the we only start two. You only have to start two wide receivers. That devalues the position even more. We go to the Scott Fishbowl, where you get a half a point for a reception for running backs and wide receivers. You get half a point for first down for running backs and wide receivers. Who's gonna get more first downs? You know, I mean, you go to you go to Atlanta, you know, one of the most extreme cases. Who's gonna get more first downs? Julio Jones or Todd Gurley? You know, I don't really know. I didn't plan on this being part of the show, so I don't have the numbers written in front of me, but Todd Gurley is going to get receiving first downs, and he's going to get a bunch of rushing first downs. So, and this is what, you know, whenever I talked to James Katulis, you know, it was the first thing he brought up whenever I asked him about startup strategy is he said, know the format, know the rules and adjust your strategy, you know, adjust your strategy accordingly. So when I go into this draft and I see, you know, I'm fading wide receiver anyways, and then I see that I only have to start two and I can start up to four running backs if I want. Well, that's what I do. And then, I mean, I didn't plan on it either, but I was sitting there. So I drafted at the 102. I went, and it's a redraft league, but I went Saquon Barkley at two I went Clyde Edwards Hilaire at you know the late in the late second then turned around with Todd Gurley in the early third and in the late fourth you know there were still a bunch of wide receivers left on the board that I liked and running back was starting to get pretty thin so I went ahead and selected Jonathan Taylor and the reason I did is because all of those players are still in my starting lineups and not only does that give me depth at a position that's hard to have depth at, but like I said, they're all in the starting lineup too. So then I turn around in rounds five and six, and I get Calvin Ridley, Devontae Parker. You know, I ended up with Brandon Cooks and Marvin Jones on that team as per usual. So I only we only have to start two wide receivers, and I got maximum stability pretty much, with Calvin Ridley. I've got some what should be some stability and some high upside with Devontae Parker. I've got what should be, in my opinion, some stability and high upside with Brandon Cooks. And, you know, right then and there, if I have, you know, with me starting four running backs, if I have a significant running back injury, I should be able to, you know, to keep pressing on. Just because, you know, I, I can slide. Let's say, you know, in my actual running back position, I have Saquon Barkley and Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Well, let's say Clyde Edwards Hilaire goes down. Well, then I can slot in Todd Gurley into my running back two position, keep Jonathan Taylor in one of the flexes, and then put Brandon Cooks in the other flex. And so so. Yeah, like I said, it's it's format dependent. Now we go to the Scott Fishbowl where you know, tight ends have a premium for receptions and first downs. You know, they get they get a full point for reception and a full point for first down whereas every other position only gets half. And then the um the running back position obviously can get, you know, they're going to get a lot of receiving first downs and a lot of rushing first downs. So right then and there, it already devalues the wide receiver position. And it also, you know, with that tight end premium and it being super flex, it's pushing a lot of wide receivers back even a few rounds more than they normally would be. So like right now, like, you know, I still, as I'm fading these wide receivers and I'm trying to find the limit, I still walk out of these drafts with my wide receiver group looking like Calvin Ridley, DeVonte Parker, Brandon Cooks, or DK Metcalf, Brandon Cooks, and probably Marvin Jones here in the Scott Fishbowl. Those are going to be likely my top 3 guys. Um and like like I said it's the Scott Fishbowl, you know the satellite is best ball, so even though Marvin Jones is not going to provide any kind of stability, you know, it's he's gonna provide some high upside. So then, you know, we 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 build on that with guys like Deshaun Jackson and Henry Ruggs and you know, Debo Samuels getting pushed back thanks to his injury. But, you know, Brandon Ayuk's not really soaring because of the imminent return of Debo Samuel. So it's pretty awesome that both of those guys, ADP is kind of suppressed right now. And with those particular players in mind, let's go ahead and get back to our original programming, the original theme of the show. I didn't mean to go off on a tangent, an unscripted tangent like that, but um, yeah, getting back to the original theme of the show, the value stacks, the next one I got lined up is Jimmy Garoppolo and Debo Samuel. Yeah, the aforementioned Debo Samuel. Um and or, you know, and if you're worried that you know this, this foot injury that Debo Samuel has is you know has a history of you know flaring back up. You know, we saw it with Des Bryant, we saw it with Marquise Brown a little bit, you know, we've seen it throughout the years. And so if you're worried about that, you know, Brandon Ayuk's going even later. So if you're worried about Debo Samuel, if that scares you off, even though, even though, I mean, this is a dynasty podcast, but, you know, I, I try to, you should, I don't think you should be worried about Debo Samuel at wide receiver 25 in dynasty. Um. Yeah. And I don't think anybody's, you know I don't think Brandon I or Brandon Iuke's ADP hasn't gone up really in Dynasty. It's gone up a little bit, sure, but hasn't gone up a whole lot in Dynasty, just because of the imminent return of Debo Samuel. And you know, fast forward a year from now, he should be 100% good to go. But yeah, Jimmy Garoppolo with an ADP of QB 21, Debo Samuel, like I said, with the ADP of wide receiver 25, so technically high-end wide receiver three. Um. Yeah, I mean, I've got Debo ranked 16th in Dynasty, I think, and that's assuming that you know he had he has minimal, minimal to no complications with the foot injury. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, he's fine. If especially if you are, you know, if you if, let's say this is you know a redraft league, and you are you know, late-round quarterback to the max. Or if you're in this a league like this Scott Fishbowl, where there's there, if you're in a league where there are penalties for incompletions, Jimmy Garoppolo is an awesome quarterback I mean, I drafted him in that league. He's an awesome quarterback for that situation because of you know he's 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 going to have a high completion percentage. And he's got guys like Debo Samuel, like Brandon Ayuk, and like George Kittle that can just rack up yards after the catch like crazy, so he's going to be able to have some good, some good games as far as passing yards goes, without a whole lot of risky throws, honestly. And you know, and and you know, so I love Garoppolo, and and Superflex as my QB two. You know, I, I obviously don't love him. I think his upside is capped, you know, in single quarterback leagues, but. He's a, I mean, he's a good, safe player. He's a good quarterback. You know, he, there's not a whole lot to say about him. Uh, you know, he's a good quarterback. He's got some awesome weapons. He's got a great head coach, um, you know, creative play calling, all that good stuff, and Yak monsters got, I mean, he's going to have three Yak Monsters on the field, assuming, I mean, assuming Brandon Ayuk doesn't even have to be he doesn't have to live up to the first-round draft capital. Like I know, I know there's a lot of people that don't like Brandon Ayuk out there, but he doesn't have to live up to the first-round draft capital, and he can still be a yak monster. Like, but yeah. So, you know, and we're talking about values here. So, especially if you're in a, if you're in a super flex in you know, two QB league, getting draw, Jimmy Garoppolo as a low end. QB 2, and Debo Samuel as a high-end wide receiver 3, low-end wide receiver 2, you know, you're going to get some stability with Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, he's going to be, you know, I'd rather have Garoppolo than somebody like Tannehill, who we've seen be up and down throughout his career. You know, maybe what we saw last year from Ryan Tannehill is, you know, indicative of what's to come, but, I'm skeptical of it. You know, I'm skeptical of it because we see it sometimes. You know, we see these players come out and have great seasons and then they just for whatever reason can't keep that momentum rolling. And, you know, we've seen we've seen a lot more of Ryan Tannehill looking not very good than we've seen him looking good. Um and I'm not gonna use I'm not gonna use the fact that AJ Brown was racking up yards after the catch against um you know, Ryan Tannehill, because I just used it for Jimmy Garoppolo. And, you know, I mean, it's a valid argument. You know, I think, I think liking these quarterbacks because of who their weapons are is a valid argument. You know, I used it earlier with Deshaun Watson versus Josh Allen, just based on the weapons alone. We all agree that Deshaun Watson's a better quarterback than Josh Allen, right? Well, I mean, at least we should, but also in a vacuum Deshaun Watson has the better group of pass catchers. I mean, we, we can argue Stefan Diggs and okay, I don't want to <laughs> I don't want to start an argument with 2020, but he's got a better Deshaun Watson has a better group of pass catchers in 2020 than Josh Allen had in 2019. I still think his group of pass catchers is more talented than you know buffaloes but i'm not really i'm not trying to have that argument with people it's a pointless argument we'll see how it all plays out but um yeah so you get you know these you know in these two quarterback super flex leagues to get a low end i mean pay low end price for jimmy garoppolo he's going to give you maximum stability due in part to his creative play-calling head coach and his Yak Monster wide receivers and tight end, Plus Debo, you know, Debo's going down a little bit because of the injury. Um, At wide receiver 25 price, if I'm in a dynasty startup, you know, I just talked about the depth at wide receiver. I'm fine paying that price and then getting Brandon Cooks later. Brandon Cook's still going later. So you draft Debo Samuel at wide receiver 25, knowing that he might miss some time. Then you draft Brandon Cooks, and Brandon Cooks is your placeholder until Debo comes back. And, I mean, honestly, Brandon Cooks is likely going to be performing better than Debo Samuel, um, assuming he is healthy and on the field. That's going to bring me to my next value stack, which is Matt Ryan and Hayden Hurst. Oh, I'm losing, I lost the ka sounder. I'm having some technical difficulties today. Um, yeah, and here's the thing, if you want, I mean, I don't know that Hayden Hurst is, I think right now he's still a value. He's creeping up. So, if you're listening to this show, you know, this show is being recorded on... Sunday, July 12th, 2020. So if you're listening to this show a month from now, and Hayden Hurst's ADP has cre- crept up quite a bit. I mean, I know it's, it's on the move. Um, It doesn't look like it's climbed too high, honestly. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. So he's still going as tight in 15 per the sleeper app. You know, ahead of Johnnie Smith. Behind Irv Smith Jr., um, which I don't, I guess, (laughs) for Dynasty, it's hard because I, you know, I tend to wait, you know, I've talked about on the last episode, I tend to wait the present and the near future more heavily than the distant future. And so the fact that I think Hayden Hurst is going to have a better season then Irv Smith Jr. automatically wants me to put Hurst ahead of Irv Smith Jr. Even though I think Irv Smith Jr. might be the better player. But, I mean, Hurst is, I mean, he's a, he was a first-round pick, right? And he's got an opportunity to really go out there and crush. So, I don't think that should be ignored. Even if you don't like the player, if you don't like the idea of just one for one swapping Austin Hooper's targets for Hayden Hurst, it's irresponsible to to ignore the fact that Hurst has you know this first round draft capital and an opportunity to crush. I mean, you know he's got the pedigree and he's got the opportunity to capitalize. Now you know he's got a good quarterback. Now it's on Hayden Hurst. It's on him if he can't outproduce. Irv Smith Jr., who has a less good quarterback on a team that will probably be running the ball more than the Falcons, with I mean, just as much target competition when you factor in the fact that they have another tight end that's gonna be probably playing just as much as him, at least. Um so I mean for me for me, yeah, the upside is with Hayden Hurst. And, you know, we're talking about value plays. You know, I think I got it back online with Matt Ryan and Hayden Hurst. Got it, we got it. We got the ka back. And if we want to go a little bit deeper than that, we'll go Matt Ryan and Russell Gage if that's what you're into. I'm not super interested in Russell Gage. Um, I talked about it before, you know, with Jake Trowbridge. You know, but it's one of those things – I just said you can't ignore the opportunity for Hayden Hurst. Well, we can't ignore the opportunity for Russell Gage either. You know, one of these two players is going to outperform their ADP. And if they don't, (laughs) then Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley are just going to be absolute monsters. You know, if if Hayden Hurst finishes the season as the tight end fifteen and Russell Gage is outside the top 50 wide receivers in fantasy points, then that just means that Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley are going to be just bonkers. They, they're going to be this year's version of Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Um, but, yeah, I mean... You know, especially in these best ball leagues where I'm fading wide receiver early, I've been I've been scooping up a little bit of Russell Gage because why not? Just because I'm not a big fan of the player doesn't mean that I can't recognize the opportunity, right? You know, I can't. It doesn't mean that I can't allow myself room for error. You know, and I don't know. I I don't. You know, every player becomes. A value at some point you know like I you know I'm on record as saying that you know yeah I don't know <laughs> it's hard but um, I mean every player yeah at some point becomes a value and when you look at these wide receivers that are going in the range of um, Russell Gage Russell Cage clearly stands out because of the offense that he's in and the opportunity that he has to be the third he has the opportunity to be the third um third in target on the Atlanta Falcons offense, and that's likely going to be a high volume offense. So at that price, I mean it's a positive investment. It's either going to be a positive investment, you know, positive return on investment, or I mean the cost of investment is so low that even if it doesn't fire, it's not going to, I mean, your team's not even going to feel a hiccup from it. And also, you know, if Russell Gage performs at his ADP and Hayden Hurst performs at his ADP, that basically means they're not going to be very good. And yeah, it means that Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley are probably going to smash, but Todd Gurley, you know, if if all of these players are performing at their ADPs, Todd Gurley might be third on that team in targets. And Todd Gurley is being severely disrespected now. He's not being disrespected enough for me to be able to put him on this value list. But if you can get Todd Gurley as your RB two and then Matt Ryan later on as your RB or as your QB one, yeah. Yeah, I'll give I'll give a uh, yeah I'll give the Kaching, I'll give the Kachin sounder for that, even though you know that's not it's not the same value that you know some of some of these other these other stacks are. Um But moving on to the next one, and I have it's it's Daniel Jones, and I just wrote down the cheapest giants wide receiver. <laughs> Um. Or you know, I know we all like Darius Slayton. You know, he had a really good rookie season last year. But we can't forget. And, I mean, and his value. I think he's being drafted in the in the forties right now. You know, for wide receivers. So it's not out of hand, especially in dynasty. You know, he, he was a rookie last year. He's a young dude. But. he did a lot of his damage last year you know I mean you pick a player that catches passes for the New York Giants and they were hurt at some point last year Sterling Shepard yep Golden Tate yep Saquon Barkley yep Evan Ingram yep so at some point yeah there's going to be a lot of targets funneled to Darius Slayton who is you know he's a better athlete I mean, he's the best athlete, probably you know, size-adjusted athlete in the wide receiver group. But then, whenever Golden Tate and Sterling Shepard and Evan Ingram and Saquon Barkley are down when they're hurt, yeah, at some point you just got to throw it to the guy that's the most athletic <laughs> on the field. And so, while I don't know which wide receiver is it's gonna be, you know, because I. I don't think Daniel Jones is going to sustain three fantasy viable wide receivers and a fantasy viable tight end and a running back who can catch passes or one of the best in the league at catching passes honestly. So, you know, and maybe maybe Daniel Jones and Evan Ingram is the stack. You know, I I don't know if I want to give that a kaching because I'm skeptical. I'm I am optimistically skeptical if that's even a thing I'm optimistically skeptical of Evan Ingram you know I've ended up with him on some of my teams um Trowbridge Jake Trowbridge on you know a couple episodes ago he you know in passing kind of mentioned his fondness for Evan Ingram and it's because he's a good player you know he's a really good player he came in and had one of the better seasons from a rookie tight end that we've seen in quite some time so maybe that's the play even though he's going ahead of these wide receivers but I mean honestly if you're looking for yeah if you're if you're looking for the value the value stack it's Jones and whichever one of those wide receivers is going later honestly it might be I would like to target Golden Tate there just because yeah, you know, we've seen him. We've seen him be the best in the league at yards after the catch for multiple seasons. We know he's a good player. Yeah, he's getting older. Um, so so maybe I would okay, I would be targeting Golden Tate in redraft. Maybe not so much Dynasty because I don't know how much time he has left. Um, and maybe it's just a little bit of you know recency bias where you're out of sight, out of mind. You know, he missed. A lot of time last year, where we really didn't get to see him a whole lot, especially not with Daniel Jones. So, so it's something we all got to keep an eye on for sure. But it's going to bring me to my last set of stacks. We got Matt Stafford and Marvin Jones. You know, I was going to say Matt Stafford and Marvin Jones. I talk about them all. I, I think I talk about one of them, at least one of them, every episode. <laughs> You know, and, you know, Matt Stafford is always getting disrespected. Marvin Jones being drafted, you know, in the double digit rounds in Dynasty startups. And just look at this right now one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. Matt Stafford's being drafted as the QB 15 in Dynasty startups behind Daniel Jones. Behind some of these rookies, like why is Joe Burrow and Tua Tagovailoa being drafted ahead of Matt Stafford? Go look at Matt Stafford's fantasy fantasy finishes year to year, (laughs) whenever whenever he's healthy. Obviously, you can't count last year. Or you know if you don't if you don't want to go look at him year to year, don't. I'm pulling it up right now. Give me give me a little bit of time to filibuster here. And pulling it up right now. Okay, here we go. Twenty fourteen, he was QB. Oh, okay, here we go. Twenty eleven, QB five. Twenty twelve, QB eleven. Twenty thirteen, QB seven. Twenty fourteen, QB fifteen. Then nine, seven, seven, and then twenty and twenty nine due to injuries. But um, yeah, he's just. He's constantly racking up these top 10 quarterback seasons. Last year, I believe he was somewhere around QB 4 or 5 on the season before he got hurt. And it's because, you know, look at who he's got on his team. He's got one of the best young up-and-coming wide receivers in Kenny Galladay, one of the better deep threats in the league in Marvin Jones. And now he's got a... Yeah, you know, a tight end who showed some flashes as a rookie. He was, you know, a top ten pick in the NFL draft. One of the best tight end prospects we've seen, maybe ever. You know, as far as coming out of the draft, and you know he's got some running backs that can catch passes. He should go out there. He, he's going to finish higher than QB fifteen for the next several years as long as he's healthy. So there's no reason him to be going that low there's no reason for Stafford to be going behind some of these rookies and another stack another value stack that I like is Stafford and TJ Hawkinson you know if you don't like Marvin Jones because he's so old then go get TJ Hawkinson I feel like I feel like everybody is obliged to at least like one of those guys right because Detroit's gonna throw the ball a lot Matt Stafford's gonna put up a lot of numbers Obviously, Kenny Galladay is not going to get all of those numbers. So, if you don't like Marvin Jones, you should love T.J. Hawkinson. If you don't like T.J. Hawkinson, you should love Marvin Jones, because it would. Whereas, you know, I think it's you know Kenny Galladay is going to be the clear one. Marvin Jones is likely going to be the clear two, and then T.J. Hawkinson the clear three. It doesn't matter, you know, really what I think. You know, if you think that it's going to be Galladay is the clear one and you're not a big fan of Marvin Jones and you think TJ Hawkinson can be number two on that team in targets, then you have have to go get TJ Hawkinson. He's going late enough where, I mean, even, you know, quote-unquote reaching... Isn't gonna hurt your team a whole lot. You know, I've I've preached, you know, on these airwaves, kind of being anti, you know, quote unquote, go get your guy. But yeah, we're talking one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Tight end nine for TJ Hawkinson. Okay, I know that it's technically oh, it's a tight end one. But tight end nine is garbage. Go look at the tight end nine every year and Ask you, like, tell you, try to convince yourself you would like you would like to have had that player on your team all season. It's not gonna happen. So Hawkinson going behind, you know, Hunter, um, Hunter Henry, Darren Waller, Noah Fant, Evan Ingram. I mean, I can see the logic, and you know, especially because we get impatient sometimes. You know, the the old adage is, we want. You know the tight ends take three years to, do it. you know, it's year three for tight ends to really break out, not year two, especially with this shortened off season. And okay, that's fine. So if that's your thinking, it's, it's okay to think that way. I'm not. This isn't me being combative to that because it makes sense. But if that's kind of where you are, then you should go out and get Marvin Jones right now, <laughs> because one of these two players is going to catch a bunch of passes at least enough passes to crush their ADPs and that's really what we want right I mean in the end that's how you win games that's how you that's how you gain value on your team is by investing x amount in a player and then being able to get y amount you know much more than what you paid for him and then I mean, that's how you add, you know, depth and value to your team. Anyways, you know, I mean, honestly, I say, I say, I know I say this a lot. I go, but I could go on for hours on this Detroit passing on this Detroit team as a whole, because not only do I love, you know, Stafford and Jones and Hawkinson at values, obviously I love Kenny Galladay, but you know, he's going early. So know, yeah, and I'm not saying he can't live up to it, but this is about values, right? And you know what? If you want to classify Kenny Galladay and the Marvin or and um, the Matthew Stafford stack as a value, just because Stafford's going so late, I see it. I see the logic. Same thing with you know like a Julio and a Matt Ryan, because Julio in startups is going to be going. Maybe that's what I should have done, because you know I've said multiple times on these airwaves that I think Julio. For sure has two more wide receiver one seasons left in and maybe even three and if that you know and he's going later and later in these dynasty startups as people just keep wanting to sell 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 and so depending on the league you might get Julio Jones and Matt Ryan cheap enough to get one of these <laughs> I mean even if you draft them at their current ADP you're still going to get one of these yeah, so, yeah, anyways, that's going to do it for the show. We got a guest coming up on the next show as of now. Not going to spoil it, but basically we're going to be talking about my running back rankings, my dynasty running back rankings. And I, to- I told him, I said, just tear me to shreds, <laughs> you know, whatever you think, you know, Just pick the ones that stand out to you and roast me on it and I'll try to defend myself. But until then, this has been the Dynasty Underground. I have been your host, Derek Walmack, And as always, thanks for listening.